Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. The reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke in the fifth chapter. Luke writes these words. One day while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed, and they were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questions, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately, he stood up before them took what he had been lying on, and he went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they were glorifying God and were filled with awe, saying, we've seen strange things today. I love that line from the passage that I just read. We've seen some strange things here today. The Reverend Reggie Weaver asks a good question. It's a question about thinking about worship. And he asks the question, when we come to worship, when we go to church, do we, do we expect anything's going to happen? I mean, do we actually think that God might be at work in this time together doing some strange things? Or do we kind of just come and go through the motions, sing some songs, say some prayers, fall asleep during a sermon, stand up, sit down, Lutheran aerobics, and then we go home? Or do we actually think that something might happen? It's an interesting question. I imagine the scene where Jesus is preaching to the crowd inside a home, I like to imagine the crowd deciding, should we go listen to what he has to say? I mean, we've heard of this guy, right? Isn't this the kid that, I picture these people talking in the streets of the, the little small town. Isn't this the kid that, that grew up right down the hill there? Isn't, isn't this the carpenter's kid? I hear he's a good storyteller. He can tell a good parable. Let's go, maybe we check. You know what I heard? I heard that he healed a man once. Oh, no, I, I actually heard that he's healed lots of people. We should go check him out. Hear what he has to say. It's free. We got nothing else to do. Let's check it out. So the crowd gathers, and they're listening to him. It was quite a, quite a sold-out crowd there in this 
house where he happened to be speaking. And, and so people are listening, and he's talking about what he always talks about, kingdom of God. And then picture this. As he's talking, some specks start falling from above. And then it gets, these specks get bigger. And before long, there's, there's clumps of dirt just going right in front. And then some tiles, one after another after another. And before long, there is this gaping hole in the ceiling. And I picture the crowd just going, what? And then, and as everyone's looking up, you see some heads go, hey. <laughs> and then before long, a, a, a body appears on a mat with some rope, and they lower him down right at the feet of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that happening right now, here? I mean, if we're sitting here and all of a sudden we hear a chainsaw. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden we, we start to see some stuff fall down and before long, <laughs> and these heads peer over. And then we have to add it to the capital campaign list. <laughs> but I just imagine it really happening. Jesus, Jesus is a master of improvisation. He does this throughout all of the, the Gospels. When, when something happens, he, he's able to kind of weave it into what he's already doing. And here is, does just that. I heard once one of my favorite uh, trumpet players, Wynton Marsalis. He was doing a concert once, and in the midst of the concert, somebody's cell phone goes off, of course. And I, I know from public speaking that you have a choice during that when the cell phone goes off. Do you stop and pause and let the person take care of their cell phone and give them a nasty look? <laughs> or do you just keep going? And I've learned to try to just keep going. Wynton Marsalis, when the cell phone goes off, he was right in the middle of a song and he's playing that song and instead of stopping or pausing or doing anything, he just, without missing a beat, goes from the song he was playing to starting to echo the cell phone. And he's playing the cell phone melody. And then when the person finally turned off their cell phone, he, without missing a beat, goes right back to the song he was playing. Perfect improvisation. That's what Jesus does here. He's talking, as I said, he's talking about what he's always talking about, the kingdom of God. And he's talking about who, and this is where he always kind of ticks off the religious leaders, he's talking about who's included in the kingdom of God. And it's always people that the religious leaders feel shouldn't be included in the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus, over and over again, surprises them by saying who is included. I mean, right before this story, Jesus healed a leper. Lepers in those days, you've probably heard this, are considered to have their disease because of something they or their ancestors did. They're unclean, certainly not a part of the kingdom of God, yet Jesus makes sure to point out that they are. Jesus loves to tell stories about surprising people that are included. He told a story once about a great banquet, this huge feast, 
that the host was having, the host representing God and invited all of these people. And one by one, all of the people came up with lame excuses why they didn't want to be at this party. And so the host says, then go out into the streets and round up all of the unclean people that don't have homes, that are sick, that are, that are this or that, and invite them. We're going to throw a party. They're included in the kingdom of God. Another story he told about a prodigal son that, that went away, squandered all of his money, but when he returned humbly, the father threw a big party for him, ticking off his older brother because the party was for the prodigal. And then after this story, Jesus is going to go have dinner with the, the scummiest of scums, the tax collector named Levi. Over and over again, Jesus seems to include those who others think shouldn't be included. Now notice though what happens. So this guy gets lowered down, this amazing scene. He's now right in front of Jesus at his feet. And Jesus says to this man, I mean, picture the, the, these friends have gone to all this length. Who knows how far they traveled carrying this paralyzed man and then getting creative because it was a sold out show. They had to create that hole in the ceiling and lower him down. And now he's at Jesus' feet. They've gone to all this work. And Jesus looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> are you like me? When you read that, does it kind of just fall flat? Wait a minute. We've just traveled like 30 miles and we, we got out our stone shovels and we created a gaping hole. You lay them out, your, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> I mean, imagine having like a really sore back. You can hardly walk. You go to the doctor, you're like, doc, man, I need some help. Your sins are forgiven. What is that? I mean, what? We know that's a valuable thing, but geez, heal me. Now, the Pharisees and the, and the uh, religious leaders, they get a bad rap often, as they should, but here they actually ask a good question. They ask the question, who can forgive sins but God alone? That's, that's the only one. So what is this dude saying? I mean, keep in mind... You might have heard this before, but in the day of Jesus, the theology, the thought process was that God's presence was in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, and it was separated by a curtain, and you only got your sins forgiven one day a year on the Day of Atonement, and the one who could do that, who operated as, as God's messenger for giving you your sins, was the great high priest. That was it. So God's presence in the temple is where you got your forgiveness from and only one time a year. So imagine 364 days of carrying sin around and finally you get it granted. But here, Jesus shockingly says, your sins are forgiven. You know what Jesus is saying there. God's not up there, out there or over here. God's right here in our midst, present, granting you forgiveness right now. Now, the miracle, Jesus goes on, and he does heal the paralyzed man. That's the miracle of the story. But the good news of the story is God is present right here, right now. 
Strange things can happen when we know that. I love that image of the gaping hole. I mean, for real, I love just that, that metaphor of a wide open hole that we think often we picture God who's out there, up there, way out somewhere. And what that hole says to us is God's right here, right now, present. Now, one other part of this story that I'll just touch on quickly is the crowd. Because obviously these people had to get pretty creative to bring this guy to Jesus' feet. The crowd, whether they realized it or not, had kept this man at bay. Couldn't have access because the crowd crowded him out. And so the, the question then becomes, do we still do that? I mean, let's face it, the church... We've been as guilty as anyone of crowding people out that don't quite fit the message we subscribe to, right? Ironically, anti-Jesus. We, we still sometimes crowd people out by our social cues or what we find acceptable or unacceptable, and, and we keep people at bay. I was thinking about this this week, thinking who still feels crowded out in this world? And ironically, one of the stories I was watching on the news talked about, and I was shocked by this statistic, teens today. And some of you may feel this way if you're here, you're a teen or friends of yours. One third of teens have seriously considered suicide. One third. So my question as I heard that is why? Like what is it that's so bad? And, and some of it, not all of it, but some of it is ascribed to social media and cyberbullying and, and that feeling of never uh, being accepted or feeling excluded and alone. You know that feeling? Yeah. I think a lot of us know that feeling. And so when we feel that feeling, and if you are feeling that way, remember this. There's a dang hole in the ceiling. God is always present for you. Another thing I was thinking, what are some examples of people that feel crowded out? There's a whole library that Minda set up that you heard Pastor Tony talk about last week and Minda talk about of, of stories for kids that talk about people who for one way, shape, or form have been crowded out intentionally or unintentionally. So maybe as Brian said, you know that feeling or maybe you know someone that does. What does it mean to either accept or announce it's a freaking hole in the ceiling. God is not out there. God is right here. And strange things might happen.